Chapter Fourteen of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Fourteen, Cecily. Before we introduce the reader to the conversation between Madame Séraphin and Madame Pipelet, we must premise that Anastasie, without entertaining the very slightest suspicion of the virtue and piety of the notary felt the greatest indignation at the severity manifested by him in the case both of louise morel and m germain and as a natural consequence the angry portress included madame seraphin in the same censure but still like a skilful politician madame pipelet for reasons we shall hereafter explain concealed her dislike to the femme de charge under the appearance of the greatest cordiality after having explicitly declared her extreme disapprobation of the conduct pursued by cabrion madame seraphin went on to say by the way what has become of m badamanti polidori i wrote to him yesterday evening but got no reply this morning i came to see him but he was not to be found i trust i shall be more fortunate this time madame pipelet affected the most lively regret really cried she you are doomed to be unlucky how so m badamanti has not yet returned upon my word this is enough to tire a saint so it is i declare madame seraphin i'm sure i'm as sorry about it as if it was my own self i had so much to say to him it is all for the world as though you were bewitched why yes it is so much the more vexatious because i have to find all manner of excuses to run down here for if once m ferrand were to find out that i came to consult a quack doctor he who is so devout so scrupulous in all things we should have a fearful scene la he is just like alfred who is so silly that really he is afraid of everything and everybody and you do not know i suppose when m bradamanti will return home no not precisely but i know very well that he expects some one about six or seven o'clock this evening for he told me to request the person to call again should he not be at home at the time mentioned so if you will call again in the evening you will be sure to see him but as anastasie said these words she mentally added i would not have you too sure of that in an hour's time he will be on his road to normandy very well then said madame seraphin with an air of considerable chagrin then pausing a brief space she added i had also something to say to you my dear madame pipelet you know i suppose what happened to that girl louise morel whom everybody thought so good and virtuous oh pray don't mention her replied madame pipelet rolling her eyes with affected horror it makes one's hair stand on end i merely alluded to her by the way of saying that we are now quite without a servant and that if you should chance to hear of a well-disposed honest and industrious young person i should take it as a favour if you would send her to us upon my word girls of good character are so difficult to be met with that one had need search in twenty places at once to find one depend upon it madame seraphin that should i hear of anybody likely to suit you i will let you know but in my opinion good situations are more rare even than good servants then again relapsing into a fit of abstraction anastasie added though mentally a likely story that i should send any young girl to be starved to death in your dungeon of a house your master is too stingy and hard-hearted the idea of throwing that poor louise and m germain both in prison i need not tell you continued madame seraphin what a still quiet house ours is any young person must be improved by living in a family where there is continually something to be learned 
and that louise must have been naturally a depraved creature to turn out badly spite of the good and religious advice bestowed on her by m ferrand no doubt but depend upon it that directly i hear of a young person likely to suit you i will be sure to let you know there is just one thing more i should like to mention resumed madame seraphin and that is that m ferrand would greatly prefer taking a person who had no relatives or friends because then you understand having no motive for wishing to go out she would be less exposed to danger neither would her mind be so likely to be upset so that if you should happen to meet with an orphan i think m ferrand would prefer taking her in the first place because it would be doing a good action and secondly as having neither friends nor followers she could not have any excuse for wishing to go out i assure you that wretched girl louise gave m ferrand a severe lesson i can tell you madame pipelet and one that will make him very careful what sort of a servant he engages only imagine such a scandalous affair occurring in a house like ours dreadful well then i will call again this evening to see m bradamanti and at the same time i can have a little conversation with mother burette then i will say adieu madame seraphin till this evening when you will be quite sure of finding m bradamanti madame seraphin returned the salutation and quitted the lodge what a deuce of a worry she is in about bradamanti said madame pipelet when her visitor had disappeared i wonder what she wants with him and then too m bradamanti is just as anxious to avoid seeing her before he starts for normandy i was dreadfully afraid she meant to stick here till he did return home and that would have been the more awkward as m bradamanti expects the same lady who came last night i could not manage to have a squint at her then but i am determined to-night to stare her regularly out of countenance like i did the lady who came on the slide to visit my five-farthing commandant ah the screw the nipcheese he has never ventured to show his face here since however by way of teaching him better i shall make good use of his wood yes yes my fine gentleman it shall keep the lodge warm as well as air your shut-up apartments a disappointed puppy ha 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 go and be hanged with your paltry twelve francs a month better learn to pay people honest wages than go flaunting about in a bright green dressing-gown like a great lanky grasshopper but who the plague can this lady of mr bradamanti's be i wonder is she respectable or t'other i should like to know for i am as curious as a magpie but that is not my fault i am as god made me so i can't help it i know one's disposition is born with us and so the blame does not lie at my door stop a bit i've just thought of a capital plan to find out who this lady really is and what's more i'll engage it turns out successful who is that i see coming ah my king of lodgers your servant monsieur rodolph cried madame pipelet saluting him after the military fashion by placing the back of her left hand to her wig it was in truth rodolph who as yet ignorant of the death of m d'harville approached gaily saying good day to you madame pipelet can you tell me if mademoiselle rigolette is at home i have something to say to her if she is at home poor girl why when is she ever out when does she lose an hour or idle instead of working and how gets on morel's unfortunate wife does she appear more reconciled to her misfortunes yes monsieur rodolph i am glad to say she does and how can she be so otherwise when thanks to you 
or the generous friend whose agent you are she is supplied with every comfort both for herself and her children who are as happy as fishes in the sea why they want for nothing they have good air good food good fires and good beds with a nurse to take care of them besides mademoiselle rigolette who although working like a little busy bee and without seeming to take part in their proceedings never loses sight of them bless you and they have had a black doctor to see them who says he comes from you well says i when i looked at him you are a funny one for a doctor you are i suppose mr nigger you are a physician to a company of charcoal men because there is no fear of your blacking your hands when you feel their pulse but la monsieur rodolph i'm only joking for what difference does colour make leastways your blackie seems to be a first-rate clever man spite of his dingy face for the first thing he did was to order a composing draught for morel's wife which did her a world of good poor thing i doubt not she is still very miserable why yes monsieur rodolph naturally enough she is for she has plenty of grief before her her husband in a madhouse and her daughter in prison ah that poor louise that is the sorest of her heartaches such a blow as that to an honest family such as theirs has always been is not to be got over so easily and that madame seraphin housekeeper to the notary who has caused all this misery has just been here saying all manner of cruel things about the poor girl if i had not had my own game to play she should not have told the tale quite her own way but i've got a pill for her to swallow by and by so i'll let her off easy why only conceive her assurance in coming to ask me if i could not recommend her some young person to supply the place of louise in the establishment of that old brute of a notary what a blessed pair the master and his housekeeper are just fancy their preferring an orphan if they can obtain one to be their servant don't you see through that monsieur rodolph they pretend that their reason for wishing for an orphan is because having neither parents nor friends she would never wish to go out and would be more free from interruption but that is not it that is all a fudge the truth is they think that if they could get a poor friendless girl into their clutches having nobody to see her righted they could cheat her out of her wages as much as they liked now is that not true monsieur rodolph no doubt replied the person addressed with the air of one who was thinking deeply on a subject the information thus afforded him as to madame seraphin seeking an orphan girl to replace louise as servant in the family of m ferrand appeared to present the almost certain means of accomplishing the just punishment of the notary and while madame pipelet was yet speaking he was arranging every point of the part he had mentally destined for cecily whom he purposed making the principal instrument in effecting the retributive justice he meant to inflict on the vile persecutor of louise morel oh i was quite sure you would be of my opinion continued madame pipelet and that you would agree with me in thinking that their only reason for desiring to engage an orphan girl is that they may do her out of her wages and i can tell you i would sooner drop down dead than send any poor friendless creature to such a house certainly i don't happen to know of any one but if i knew of fifty they should not enter into such a wretched house if i could hinder them don't you think i'm right monsieur rodolph madame pipelet will you do me a great favour 
do you a favour monsieur rodolph lord love your heart and soul just to say what there is i can do for you and then see whether i will or no come what is it shall i jump into the fire or curl my best wig with boiling oil or is there anybody i can worry bite pinch or scold for you only say the word i am wholly at your service heart and body your most humble slave always stipulating that in my service there shall be no offence to alfred's prior claims on me oh my dear madame pipelet make yourself perfectly easy i want you to manage a little affair for me which is this i have got to place out a young orphan girl who is utterly a stranger to paris and i wish very much with your assistance to obtain for her the situation vacant in m ferrand's establishment you don't mean it la i never can think you are in earnest what send a poor friendless girl to live with such a miserly wretch as that hard-hearted old notary no no monsieur rodolph that was not what you wanted me to do i'm sure but indeed it is why a place is a place and if the young person i mentioned to you should not like it she is not obliged to stay there and then don't you see she would at once be able to maintain herself while i should have no further uneasiness about her oh as far as that goes monsieur rodolph it is your affair not mine and whatever happens remember i warned you if after all you have heard you still think the place would suit your young friend why of course you can please yourself and then to be sure as far as regards the notary there are always two sides to every picture a for and against to every tale he is hard-hearted as a flint stone obstinate as a jackass bigoted as a jesuit that's true enough but then he is of the most scrupulous punctuality in all his affairs he gives very low wages but then he pays on the nail the living is very bad at his house still it is the same one day as another in a word though it is a house where a servant must work like a horse yet at the same time it is one of those dull quiet stupid places where there is certainly nothing to tempt a girl to get into mischief certainly louise managed to go wrong but that was all a chance madame pipelet i am going to confide a great secret to your honour well then upon the word and honour of anastasie pipelet whose maiden name was gudimard as true as there is a god and heaven and that alfred always wears green coats i will be silent as a stockfish you must not breathe a word to m pipelet that i won't i swear by the head of that dear old duck himself if it relates to a proper and correct affair surely madame pipelet you have too good an opinion of me to suppose for a minute that i would insult your chaste ears with anything that was not well then go it let's know all about it and i promise you alfred shall never be the wiser be it what it may bless you he is as easy to cheat as a child of six years old i rely implicitly on you therefore listen to my words i will my king of lodgers and remember that we are now sworn friends for life or for death so go on with your story the young person i spoke to you about has unfortunately committed one serious fault i was sure of it why lord bless you if i had not married alfred when i was fifteen years of age i dare say i should have committed fifties and hundreds of faults i there just as you see i was like a barrel of gunpowder at the very sight or mention of a smart young fellow luckily for me pipelet extinguished the warmth of my nature in the coolness of his own virtue 
if he had not i can't say what might have happened for i did dearly love the gay deceivers i merely mention this to say that if the young person has only done wrong once then there are great hopes of her i trust indeed she will atone for her past misconduct she was living in service in germany with a relation of mine and the partner of her crime was the son of this relative do you understand do i don't i go along with you i understand as well as though i had committed the fault myself the angry mistress upon discovering her servant's guilt drove her from her house but the young man was weak enough to quit his paternal roof and to bring the unfortunate girl to paris well la monsieur rodolph what else could you expect why young people will be young people i'm sure i after this act of folly came stern reflection rendered still more severe by the fact of the slender stock of money he possessed being exhausted in this dilemma my young relation applied to me and i consented to furnish him with the means of returning home on condition of his leaving behind him the companion of his flight whom i undertook to place out in some respectable capacity well i declare i could not have done more for a son if it had pleased heaven and piplet that i should have had one i am delighted that you approve of my conduct still as the young girl is a stranger and has no one to give her a recommendation i fear it will be rather difficult to get her placed now if you would tell madame seraphin that a relation of yours living in germany has sent her to you with a very excellent character the notary would possibly take her into his service and i should be doubly delighted cecily for that is her name having only once gone astray would doubtless soon regain the right path in a house as severe and saintly as that of the notary's and it is for that reason i am desirous of seeing the poor girl enter into the service of m ferrand and of course if introduced by so respectable a person as yourself madame pipelet there would be no fear of her obtaining the place oh monsieur rodolph yes indeed my good madame i am sure that one word from so justly esteemed an individual as you oh my king of lodgers i repeat that if you would patronize the young girl so far as to introduce her to madame seraphin i have no fears but that she would be accepted whereas you know if i were to accompany her to the notary's house i see what you mean to be sure it would look just as queer as if i were to introduce a young man well i will do what you wish it will be serving old seraphine out as she deserves i can tell you i've had a crow to pluck with her a long time and this seems a famous way of serving her out besides it's a good lark anyway so look upon the thing as done monsieur rodolph i'll cram the old woman well i will tell her that a relation of my own long established in germany has just died as well as her husband leaving a daughter wholly dependent on me capital well then without saying anything more to madame seraphin you shall take cecily to m ferrand all you will have to say is that not having seen or heard anything of your relation during the last twenty years you consider it best to let her speak for herself ah but then if the girl only jabbers german i assure you she speaks french perfectly well i will give her proper instructions therefore you need do nothing more than strongly recommend her to madame seraphin or stay upon second thoughts perhaps you had better not say any more than you have done on the subject for fear she should suspect you want to force the girl upon her you know that frequently the very asking a thing produces a refusal i should think i did too why that was the way i got rid of all the flattering lovers that came about me if they had never asked me a favour 
i don't know what i might have done it is always the case therefore say nothing more to madame seraphin than just this that cecily is an orphan and a stranger here very young and very pretty that she will be a heavy burden to you and that you are not particularly fond of her in consequence of having long since quarrelled with her mother and consequently not retaining a very great affection for the charge bequeathed to your care what a deep one you are but never mind there's a pair of us i say monsieur rodolph is it not odd you and i should understand each other so well ah we two should have suited one another to a hair gracious monsieur rodolph when i think what might have happened if we had chanced to have met when i was such a tender-hearted susceptible young creature and so fond of handsome young men don't you fancy we should have seemed like made for one another eh monsieur rodolph hush suppose monsieur pipelet i forgot him poor old duck his brain is half turned since this last abominable prank of cabrion's but i'll tell you about that another time as for your young relation make yourself quite easy i will undertake to play my part so well that old seraphin shall come to me and beg to have her as a servant and if you succeed madame pipelet i have one hundred francs quite at your service i am not rich but are you making fun of me monsieur rodolph or do you imagine i am doing what i do for the sake of gain i declare to god it's out of nothing but pure friendship one hundred francs that's handsome however why i consider it but an act of justice as well as gratitude to offer you a sum which if left several months on my hands the girl must soon have cost me ah well then since i can serve you by accepting your hundred francs of course i have no further objection monsieur rodolph but we drew a famous prize in the lottery when you came into the house and i don't care who hears me say it for i'd as leave cry it on the housetops you are the very prince and king of good lodgers halloa there is a hackney-coach no doubt the lady monsieur brandamanti expects i could not manage to see her well when she came yesterday but i'll have a precious good stare at her this time added to which i've got a capital plan for finding out her name come you shall see me go to work it will be a famous lark for us no i thank you madame pipelet i have not the slightest curiosity respecting either the name or features of this lady returned rodolph withdrawing to the very end of the lodge where do you wish to go madame cried anastasie rushing towards the female who was entering i am going to m bradamanti's returned the person addressed visibly annoyed at having her progress thus arrested he is not at home you are mistaken oh no i am not said the portress skilfully contriving so to place herself as to command a perfect view of the stranger's features m bradamanti has gone out positively absolutely gone out that is to say he is not at home except to one lady tis i he expects me and pray my good woman allow me to pass you are really troublesome your name madame if you please i shall soon see if it is the name of the person m bradamanti desired me to admit should yours not be the right name you don't go upstairs unless you first trample on my body is it possible he could be so imprudent as to tell you my name cried the female with as much surprise as uneasiness certainly he did madame or how should i know it how very thoughtless murmured the stranger then after a momentary hesitation she said impatiently in a low voice and as if fearful of being overheard 
my name is d'orbigny rodolph started at the word as it reached his ear for it was the name of madame d'harville's mother-in-law advancing therefore from the dark corner in which he stood he managed by the light of the lamp to obtain a clear view of the stranger in whose features he easily traced the portrait so skilfully drawn by clemence of the author of all her sufferings madame d'orbigny repeated madame pipelet in a loud tone ah then you may go upstairs that is the name m bradamanti gave me madame d'harville's mother-in-law waited for no second bidding but rapidly passed by the lodge well done us shouted the portress with a triumphant air i have caught my fish done the great lady now then i know her name she is madame d'orbigny that wasn't a bad scheme of mine was it monsieur rodolph but what the plague is the matter with you how sad and thoughtful you have grown all of a minute this lady has been to see monsieur bradamanti before has she not yes she was here yesterday evening and directly she was gone monsieur bradamanti went out most probably to take his place in the diligence for to-day because when he came back he asked me to take his trunk to the coach-office as he could not trust that little rascal tortillard and do you know where monsieur bradamanti is going to normandy by way of alencon rodolph called to his remembrance that aubier the seat of m d'orbigny was situated in normandy there was no longer a doubt that the charlatan was proceeding to the paternal home of clemence and as a matter of course to aid and assist in some scheme of wickedness the departure of m bradamanti will put old seraphin out preciously resumed madame pipelet i can't make out what she wants with him but she seems as much bent upon seeing him as he is on avoiding her for he charged me particularly not to tell her that he leaves paris to-night at six o'clock so when she calls again she will find nobody at home that will give me an opportunity of talking to her about your young person let's see what is her name sissy cecily ah uh, i see just clap two more letters to the word i said that'll do i must tie a knot in the corner of my handkerchief that i may be able to recollect this bother of a name sis sissy cecily i've got it well now i think it is time for me to visit mademoiselle rigolette said rodolph to madame pipelet as he quitted the lodge and when you come downstairs monsieur rodolph i hope you will just speak a word or two to my dear old darling of a husband he has had a deal of trouble lately and i know it will be a great relief to him to tell you all about it that beast of a cabrion has been at his old tricks again be assured madame pipelet i shall always be ready to sympathize with your worthy husband in all his troubles and with these words rodolph strangely preoccupied with the recent visit of madame d'orbigny to polidori slowly pursued his way to the apartment of mademoiselle rigolette End of chapter fourteen recorded by celine major End of the mysteries of paris volume three by eugene sue